0: You're listening to Episode 5, Part 2 of the Kimberly Shiro series with Natasha Short and Tallulah Bindry. Let's go back to, I was, I was speaking at a, a woman's uh, forum yesterday and um, I was just sharing my story and I was just saying I had a, I, I always knew even from as a child what I wanted to do with my life, you mm-hmm. know. Did you ever have any sense of that growing up? Like, did you have any idea that this is the pathway? Some people do and some people don't. What's yeah. your story?
1: So I I was one of the lucky few who actually did. I always knew that I wanted to go into law. Um, and I think my Blackwater side mostly had um, a huge influence on that. You know, my grandfather was a lands rights activist and my yeah, grandmother... He, he
0: was he was a foundational, wasn't he, in, in, in setting up KLC, I think?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So he was a big part of that. Yeah. Um, he was kind of... Um,
0: um, he, he was almost like an activist. Absolutely. And and I was sharing the other day somewhere in regards to a lot of our people are not activists. They're not. Mm. They're quiet, gentle, humble, unassuming, you know, mm. kind of people. And so, but I think your father, I don't know whether whether he would accept that word activist. I don't know that he would or not, but certainly he had more of those qualities uh, that activists have, which is far more vocal. Hmm. You know, and far more like confident in in what he was wanting to say.
1: My my grandfather, your grandfather,
0: yeah, yeah. and wanting to get a job done and yeah. see the rights of <coughs> Aboriginal people really lifted up. So
1: yeah, so so my I don't you know I'd never met my grandfather. He passed away when my dad was fifteen. So unfortunately, I never, yeah. never got to meet him. But yeah. from what I've been told, he was charismatic. He was motivational. He was determined. He was. Super
0: intelligent. Your your grandparents, like your Aboriginal grandparents, are like they were like a set apart couple.
1: Yeah, I've been told they were a bit of a power duo. A
0: power (laughs) duo. Not only not only um, wow, like as a beautiful looking couple, and they really were. I mean, they could have. They looked like models. (laughs) They did. They did. I've seen pictures of them. Yeah, they looked like models. And at the same time, they just had this beautiful way of communicating, not just in their language but in English. Mm. Um, and they had charisma. Mm. They were this package, amazing package deal, mm. you know, so. One, one thing
1: I, I can't, I always, I, I did a speech last year and I did, um, it turned out to be a little bit of a history project
0: yeah
1: um but one thing that always fascinates me I was asking my grandmother about it sorry the context of that was I rang my grandma and said tell me about this and um one thing that's always fascinated me was my grandfather went to school with a whole lot of kids in his 20s didn't know a word of like didn't know how to speak English didn't know how to write English couldn't yeah so couldn't read and write and went into a classroom and sat down with all these kids
0: amazing Mm. listen you just got such an amazing heritage there
1: yeah i'm very lucky um yeah so they they, they've been a big influence in terms of helping me with um following that path into law yeah um it's funny I i think my dad's been a really big influence as well because he's um what's the word He's almost like a strategist. <laughs> yeah. So the way his brain works is like he can he, he walk you walk into a room and you, you see you watch my father and he'll be sitting there kind of very quiet but you watch his eyes yeah. and you can tell from his eyes. Yeah. Um, who the person is to talk to, who you shouldn't talk to, who sh- you should yes. avoid, yes. what you think, whether he likes this person, whether he doesn't like this person. Yeah. And this has taken me 23 years to kind of grasp from my father. Yeah. But it's been really cool. So I, yeah. I, I appreciate that my dad's like the strategist. And, um, yeah, I think that he sparked this kind of political um, passion, I guess, of mine.
0: Which is Which is so fantastic mm. because... I think we need to have more Aboriginal people going down, you know, down that road and, because and, um, I did the webinar here in Broome a couple of weeks ago interviewing three Aboriginal women yeah, who were running for the seat of Kimberley. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I did that is really because my my business and my work that I do is about the amplification of Indigenous women's voices, right? you know, but I'm also very passionate and aware that our people are not as engaged in the political system as I think that they should be. Right. 'Cause they don't I don't think they understand mm. that the people that we're voting for is actually having making decisions and policies and, you know, influencing things that happen to us here.
1: Do you know, I might I just wanna maybe challenge you a little bit on that. Go ahead. Um just because I don't think it's about not knowing, but maybe not feeling like what people have to say is gonna make a difference. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So my dad has every understanding and knowing yeah. that this is going to make a difference. But because Aboriginal people have been so trodden on for so long, yeah. maybe it's this feeling of helplessness. And it's like, yeah. who cares
0: what government gets in? Just get the bloody job done. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? And But this is the problem. The job is not getting done. Exactly. And many of our people, you're right, you know, they have been trodden on. Mm. So I, many of our people are actually surviving life. Mm. So your dad would be a little bit separated in the sense that he's a very, you know, intelligent person that can read the play and understand and have a great understanding of what's going on around him. But many of our people who are still grasping English, still grasping Western culture, still, you know, um, learning so many different things, they don't have the confidence and I don't know that they're even reflecting so much in the, in the political space. They're not, I don't think they're sitting down and, and reviewing or reflecting what's going on up here at the top level.
1: It's really interesting. I did this um, trauma trauma. Um, it was a child safety framework yep. training. Not last week, the week before with um, Vicky and Michael Hovane. Yeah, and that was just amazing because what they talk about. One of the things that I kind of st- has stayed with me, partly because of my own experience, partly because of my experience with my partner. Yeah. Um, when you're in this kind of um survival mode you can't engage other f- centers of your brain
0: yeah is that the maslow you know right down the bottom there you just got to have these basics taken care of before you can do this and this
1: so i think it's a hypothalamus or something that controls all of these survival eating breathing da-da-da-da. when your body is stressed and you've experienced some kind of trauma yes you release. Cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and when you've got stress hormone in your body all of that time, it only kind of engages one thing. So you're you're physically, your brain is physically incapable of reflecting on other things because of all of this. And I just think... No wonder. Like, yeah, and this this yeah. comes to my Australia Day argument, right? Yeah, so, and yeah. my, my NAIDOC week argument. Yep. Um. And I, I don't know if you wanted to touch on that now. Go, or, go
0: ahead, yeah.
1: Well, so I'm kind of, somebody said to me um, last year, how come people don't do anything in the Kimberley really for Australia Day or Invasion Day? And um, she said, oh, we, we've got to change this. We've got to do something about this, you know. We, we need to be protesting the day and,
0: yeah.
1: um, you know, all this stuff. And I just said, look... Uh, Yes, that's important, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yes, at the end of the day, in an ideal world, you do, you want that to happen. You want Invasion Day to be acknowledged as a day of suffering and not a day Mm. to kind of whatever. Anyway, people in the Kimberley are much too worried about where they're going to sleep tonight, how they're going to get food on the table, what else is, you know, all of these other kind of survival, keeping their kids safe and all of these really... Basic survival stuff to be reflecting on what the politics is around this bloody commemorating this day, you know. Yeah. So, no yeah. wonder. And what what you you can afford to think about that stuff in the city because yeah. you're not thinking about
0: these basic eat? survival things. Where are you going to eat? Where are you so going to sleep?
1: I think if you've got the capability to sit there and reflect on what this day commemorates,
0: yeah,
1: lucky you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So I just, that's, you know, my opinion and I don't want to, essentially in an ideal world, yes, we would change that. Mm. But I just think the reason that this is so, it's not a big thing in the Kimberley is because there's other stuff that goes on and I think that it's a distraction.
0: Oh, look, I've said the same thing myself on so many different occasions and I feel like um, here across the Kimberleys we have non-Indigenous people are almost leading the march on that, you know? Mm. Saying, "Oh, we need to do this. Oh, we're not going to be open today because we, you know, we oppose Australia Day." It's been hung up there by a white manager. Like, let come on, let everyone you know, people lead these conversations and do these things if they want to say something about that topic. That's my personal opinion about it. But, like you said, everyone is just in survival mode here. Mm. So,
1: so I think it's easy for us to say, like, like I've said, I've been lucky and I'm in a position now where I'm, you know, I've had some traumatic things happen to me. Yeah, but I'm. For the most part, really blessed. I'm lucky. I have a good job. Yeah. I have a yeah. house that I can live in. I'm able to afford feed every night. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, I can do all these kind of basics of I have a car. I can take off to wherever I want to if these, I need these to. These are
0: just foundational things. This is just the basic needs that every person has to have mm. to move forward and and um, succeed mm. and reach their potential. Well, so Which many of our people are not having, the, like a car. How many people have, in our community don't have a car because they can't afford one?
1: Exactly, they're bloody expensive. The,
0: <laughs> you know, that. and it's, well, because of the high level of poverty that we have across our c- communities, mm, we've got mm. people not only with not having a licence but they don't actually have a car. Mm. I can't live without my car, Jalila. Mm. I can't even live without going into another community and not hiring a car. Like here where I'm in Broome, mm. hire a car. Mm. I can't get around on my foot mm. in, in in a big town like this to yeah. get my work done.
1: Yeah, well that's the thing, you know. Um so I think when you don't I I now because I have all of these things, I'm able to reflect on things yeah. and question and challenge and whatever. Yeah. But like I said I'm lucky.
0: Yeah.
1: My, you know, I know lots of my family that don't have that they're not afforded that opportunity to reflect on that stuff and it's because Yes trauma and, and other stuff goes on, you yeah, know? So, totally.
0: so going yeah. back to your law and your aspirations to be there, mm-hmm. so what area do you want to be going into?
1: That's interesting because I kind of go on and off. One thing I'm particularly passionate about is um, tenancy law.
0: Okay, because you're passionate about housing.
1: Absolutely. That's something that I've Cause always... Because you think
0: that sta- that's represents stability.
1: Yes. So, yeah, so housing I think is the basis for all of the issues my kind of thinking is you don't have a stable house that causes sleep problems which causes stress which cause health issues which cause drug and alcohol and substance abuse yeah. you don't have a stable home maybe yeah. there's domestic violence and all of this stuff yeah. so then you you haven't you're suffering mental health issues you're you're wanting, you're feeling suicidal. So I, me personally, I think that stable housing is number one to getting all of these things, getting all of the ducks, all of our ducks in a row, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so when you're, Living in an overcrowded house, I don't know if this is your experience, but this is certainly mine. Yeah. I get, I'm an introvert, so I kind of go out during the day and I do all of these extroverted things, public yeah. speaking, and I see lots of people and I'm a social butterfly. Yeah. When I get home, my doors are closed, my doors are locked, my blinds are down <laughs> because <laughs> I need to recharge. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: I need to have at, at least three hours on my own to think reflect on how my day was, maybe beat myself up if I've said something wrong, congratulate myself if I've done something good. I need that couple of hours to let my brain unwind. So people might think I'm really extroverted, but I need my private home space to be able to do that. I totally
0: relate to that Mm. as a person who's out and about all the time. Mm. Um I do that through music. I do that through. I burn candle. I love candles. Yeah, I'm crazy for candles. <laughs> but that's my relaxation because I love the glow that candles give. Right. I love the scent. I love music. I do the same thing. Mm. So I go home as well, and I I don't I never I never get bored. I'm not a person that same. I don't get bored. It's just not possible. Mm. This, I don't care if the house is dead quiet. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's what,
1: and I really started to appreciate that in the last couple of years. Actually, is actually yeah. just sitting. In silence, I don't need to do anything, I can just lay there in Got silence on. and my brain just needs that... Time. Yeah. The other thing I do is um, paint. So I do a fair bit of painting yep. um, and I will sit at my table and paint with some mind-numbing show in the background, yes. um, like a funny comedic show that's just lets your brain be distracted Yes. and at the same time... You're, you're, you're not thinking, yeah, yeah. You're not thinking about anything. You just,
0: yeah.
1: Oh yeah, huh, that's funny, you know. So, yeah. that's. That, I guess that answers your question about what do I do in my free time. And yeah, um, yeah. So I, I, going back to what I was saying about um, housing, I need that space to be able to get up the next day
0: and do my job and actively yes. participate in the community. Can I just talk to you about mental health? Because mm-hmm. mental health, and you've mentioned it, that you've had some challenges with it before, mm-hmm. and I know that it's like a growing situation across the Kimberley. And I was talking to a friend the other day, and I was saying, I'm, I'm noticing more of it. So if you go to a big meeting, like, you know, I was at a recent a big meeting where, you know, there's 20, 30 people sitting at the table, and a few of our countrymen got up and spoke, and they're clearly affected by mental health. Right. You know, and I think to myself, is it any wonder when you've got 10, 20 people living in a
1: house? 100%, absolutely. And
0: this is what's going on. We've got a massive housing situation happening right across the Kimberley region. Me and you are going home and locking ourselves up and taking deep breaths and lighting candles and, you know, listening to music and comedy shows and whatever else makes us feel like we can recharge. Wherever our people go inside their own house, there's three human beings sitting
1: there. Exactly, exactly. This is my point. Yeah, you can't ever escape that. So where's your time? Where's your downtime when you can't escape that?
0: Yeah,
1: it's not. You, you, there's just not enough houses, and you, you, you know, you got. I remember staying in Wangaratta for sorry business one. One year, there was 15 of us in a three bedroom house. I was camping on the concrete. I found myself having to go for a walk like once a day because I just needed just to get
0: away from people that
1: moment to just unwind, chucking headphones in, and just you know,
0: out.
1: it's really hard. And it was really hard for me. What also I found during that time was I was really, um. I, had, I kind of go on and off with insomnia a bit and so I couldn't sleep much during that time and I found yeah. that the reason I couldn't sleep was because I felt like I couldn't be alone. So I was up when everybody else was asleep so that I could have that time yeah. to be alone. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah, so I think that it has a
0: huge... I- They're correlated, aren't they? Absolutely. They're correlated. Mental health and, and our housing situation. Yeah. But also, I guess, drug and alcohol?
1: Also, absolutely. Without a doubt. So I think... I think I think housing, like I said, housing's got to be the first one, you line-up. Yep. And then you get all these things Other in a Other things row. in order. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it takes me back to... I. There was a time when I had to... I, basically, I haven't been living with my mum since I was, like, 14 because I went to boarding school. Yep. So even though I went home to my mum yep. for a couple of weeks, it was almost like... Well, that was my holiday, right? So I haven't actually lived full-time with my mother since I was about 14. Yep. Um, so when I moved back to Broome. I was unemployed. I was suffering really, you know, bad mental health issues. And um, I had to live with my mum for almost four months. And it was really hard for me because like I said, I was unemployed. I didn't have a job. Um, I was kind of, I was just, I was pretty bloody useless at that point. Um, And If I had to go back to that point where I was living, I love my mum and I love my sisters, I adore them, but they drive me nuts. But even
0: Queen needs her own castle, (laughs) It
1: drove me nuts. So I can can see myself suffering seriously bad mental (laughs) health issues from living with my mum and my sisters. And I love them, but, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's just having that time out. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was was at this forum yesterday and I was hearing, uh, you know, one lady share her story about her own mental health. You know, experience and just being being confident enough to go to the doctor and just admit what was going on, right? To receive that support, Mm. and maybe that's a message that we want to give out to people today as well. Yeah, who might be listening to say, "Look, there's no shame in it. Mm. It, it, You know, just accept it's something that you're dealing with right now, Mm. and go and get that support that you need."
1: Yeah, mental health is something that I've twelve years I've had depression.
0: Yeah, started when I was. So, do you take medication now?
1: I previously have, and look, I had a really negative experience with antidepressants. Yeah. Um, I was on uh, medication for five years, and it ruined me because I felt like I was a walking zombie, basically. So I was suffering pretty... This started in high school. Um, I, I was suffering pretty bad depression and anxiety, and I went to the doctor and they gave me medication, and then... Every six months after that, I'd go back to the doctor and I'd say, the medication's not working, help. Um, And they'd say, oh, maybe you just need some more. And so they would increase my dose. Wow. And in the end, I went from 10 milligrams to 50 milligrams and I was putting on weight like no tomorrow. Things would happen and I would feel nothing. So I would have people close to me pass away and I'd just go huh, I should feel sad about that. And I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah. 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 Um, And the other thing
0: is... Taking away normal emotions.
1: Yeah. I couldn't feel happy. And it's only now that I know what sadness feels like that I know what happy feels like.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: So during that time it was like I was on this
0: this kind of just...
1: And I listened to videos of myself during that time And I pick up now that all of those laughs were fake laughs. Like, I laugh, I'm like laughing. Yeah. But they weren't real laughs. And now, since coming off the medication, I know how to really laugh. Something so simple, but,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, the lady that was sharing yesterday, she said she was on these, you know, she had to go on antidepressants and they were working for her. And she said that moment for me was to be able to smell the flowers in my garden. And i had been, you know... I hadn't done that for such a long time. And then it was like my reconnection back to I'm back here, mm. you know, on planet Earth again, like feeling right. more like myself. Right. We want people to feel like themselves. We want people to feel like, hey, I'm in charge of my life and I am a person of great importance and significance mm. and I am on Earth for a reason. Right. And I'm valued here. Yeah. And I've got something to contribute to society. Because mm. it's, it's actually horrendous the amount of um, the high suicide rates that we have across our region. Right. Right. It's it's you know um, a very very difficult thing that if, that is affecting many of us.
1: So look, I'll give you a bit of a. I don't talk much about this, but my like I was pretty young when I first tried to commit suicide. So I was going through a pretty severe depression at a really young age, um, and that's when people were like, "You should be on medication," you know. So I I was pretty. I've known I've had depression since I was about ten. Yeah, and I was seeing counselors when I was six because grief counseling for my brother passed away. Yeah, um, so I I'd kind of I've been up and down through counselors, and um, I think I probably now I'm twenty three. I've been to I counted it the other day. I've been to thirteen different counselors.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, um, and I think that medication works well for some people. Yeah, uh, it didn't for me, and I think what I realized at the end of that antidepressant journey was that i would rather feel sad and anxious yeah. than feel nothing at all
0: wow
1: yeah so that was a real um what's the word like
0: eye opening
1: yeah it was like a, a an epiphany moment for me yeah. and so i decided that i needed to come off the medication because wow I, I i yeah i i felt and straight away i felt depressed and anxious and and whatever else but it was like almost a relief yeah. for me to feel that Cause yes. Partly because I think it was familiar to me.
0: Well, maybe it's like a human being. Yeah. It's more like a human being. Yeah. But do you also feel then if you have a real sense of, of what you're supposed to do or where you want to be or what your goals are, that can help you? Absolutely. Move towards and away from depression and all that sort of stuff that comes with it Yeah. into a place of more being empowered, I guess?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I'm really kind of... I come back to actually my study I, I'm in high school yeah um, I studied religion and I did religion where I was at a Catholic school I did religion as part of my ATAR yeah and one thing we learned about was meaning and purpose yeah and how well you know in a Catholic school you talk about how God gives you meaning and purpose I don't so much believe in in Christianity but I believe in the universe and I think that the universe gives you a purpose and meaning and so to me a purpose and meaning is how you make an active contribution to your community in a way that betters not only your life but other people's lives.
0: Yeah.
1: Or tries to better, I guess. So for me, feeling like I've got a sense of meaning and purpose in terms of contributing to making people around me, their life a little bit easier, a little bit better, Yeah, that really helps me through feeling, going through some serious mental health stuff, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and I think that's what lots of our people struggle with, is this meaning and purpose, this concept of meaning and purpose. Because yeah. when you're sitting around, you're, I understand there's a whole lot of survival stuff that goes on there that we've touched on before, but when you're feeling like you, you're not contributing, contributing anything positive to your community, you're not making an impact, you're not doing something
0: yeah.
1: that's worthwhile, yes. that's when the mental health issues kick in.
0: Yeah, fascinating. mm so, so back to your law studies, that's more about, I guess, equality for people, yeah. people's rights.
1: I, I, I like the the, the the biggest thing I like about law is, um, and I learnt this in my first year, yeah. is that basically it's the way you put, you know, I've said that my family and I share this passion for English. Yeah. It's how you put a series of words together to then create a legislation, to then interpret a legislation. Yeah. So there's one thing I really like is this kind of wordplay. Yes. And you know when people talk about loopholes in the
0: in yes. the law, yes. they're talking
1: about how one word can be defined in multiple different ways. Yes, and that's something that I really like—is this kind of wordplay. Yeah, um, so I like that part of law, but I also like um, yeah this kind of justice stuff and also um, questioning the world around you. So if a law is something, um, one thing that Gudia people I, I I'm not all Gudia people, but I notice take the law religiously, so as it comes that they don't there's kind of no space to question it yeah um and I think that Blackfellow people do it so <laughs> one prime example of this is you notice when you're driving around Broome yeah and you see one I just walk straight across the road without looking for any cars yeah to me um that's kind of like this challenging of the road rules <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, Gun, you do what you need to do. <laughs> and even though, you know, it can be dangerous, yeah. it's almost like this challenging of social norm. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate it. I'm like, yeah, cool, walk across the road <laughs> because make the car stop for you because that's not your traditional way. You might as well just bloody walk there, you know? So I really appreciate this kind of yeah. idea that, that Aboriginal people have more of an open mind about challenging the world around them yes. when it comes to go to your law. Yes. Um, So so instead of saying you're wrong because you didn't follow the law, how about the law is wrong because it doesn't match how we should live? Yeah. You know, so the other thing, and I, I'll yeah. quote Calvin. I don't know if you've met Calvin. No, he's one of the lawyers at my office, and yeah. he. This is something that's just stayed with me forever. He it will stay with me forever. He wrote. Uh, he did a sociology unit at uni. Yeah, and he had to write an essay on. I think it's resistance. You know yeah. how how human beings are naturally kind of this rebellious. Yeah, have this rebellious side to them. And one of the topics in this essay was how you know when you got a footpath and it goes around a corner. Yes. How you always see that dirt path that cuts across. Yes. He spoke in his essay about how cutting that path is a form of resistance. Yeah. And I just think that's so true, you know, we're yeah. we're kind of challenging this social norm that you have to go up and around the pathway. Yeah. And so we make this cut across road, and that's like the small form of rebellion.
0: Yeah. You Um, see it all the time in communities. You see it everywhere. People have got bush tracks. Exactly. They make their own road.
1: Yeah. So I really kind of, that's one thing I'm passionate about is like looking at the world around you and not accepting it for what it is. Yeah. But going, that makes no sense to me. Yeah.
0: Hmm. So I'm not going to comply. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Join us for part three of Natasha's Chat with Tallulah Bindery on the next episode. Stay connected with us by following Kimberly Jigas on all social media platforms, rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and share the podcast with your family and friends.